Exit for Podcast Mutants, Magic, and Marvels is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things media, check out cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And for all things X's for Podcast, check out X's for Podcast on Twitter and YouTube. Love the books today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another all-new live X's for Podcast, your premier live comic podcast for modern Marvels, Cronus Gaming Classics, and more. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And I'm TK. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at XNateXGrayX. And it's Nathan. I'm stuck in the holodeck, apparently. Hopefully the safeties are not off because I don't want to die. But you can find me at Dazzler AOA. That's like Dazzler in the Age of Apocalypse on mainly Twitter, but pretty much everywhere socials are. We're talking today about an unbelievably cool lineup of titles, and I couldn't be more excited. We're going to be taking a look at some miniseries and some one-shots that have been hitting the Marvel stands lately. We're going to be taking a look at an unbelievable amount of Christopher Cantwell for a guy that I don't believe we've ever actually properly covered on this show before so we hope you survived the experience dude we're here to talk about gold goblin number one namor conquered shores one and two we're going to take a look at thanos death notes we're also going to be taking a look at blade vampire nation we're going to move on over to secret invasion one and two and then we're going to like motherfucker fire off a crazy number of miniseries and uh do a crazy round robin and just kind of say yes no what we might be buying what we didn't read what we're up for and i can't wait to get to the point where we bring in the voices so you guys want to bring in the voices all right so first off we got extra voice on introduce yourself hello it's me steve you can find me on twitter at howdy duda that's h-o-w-d-y-d-u-d-a h-o-w-d-y-d-u-d-a yeah that's it you can find me on twitter you can find me on tumblr you can find me on hive you can find me on mastodon you can find me probably on some other places if you look and we mentioned earlier that we may have not have covered uh chris cantwell before but i in fact have i think done the only chris cantwell cover on this pod and you can go back and listen to it for our king in black doom and iron man christmas story holiday coverage yes i just just did a cleanup edit on that you're absolutely right i just totally cleaned up that audio was the season tis the season (laughs) yes and that was uh interesting tale if i remember right yeah that was actually very fun uh pretty much the same tone as everything i've read by christopher cantwell so far (laughs) bleakly grim and also full of dead jokes love it So now we've got Gold Goblin number one in front of us, right? So Christopher Cantwell is our writer, Lan Medina is our artist, Antonio Fabella is our color artist, BC Josephino is our letterer. I, before we dive into the actual issue itself, Steve, I know where you are with Amazing Spider-Man, but Nico, TK, where are the two of you with this current run of Spider-Man? Were you like, pick, did you pick up this issue and we're like, what? <laughs> so, man, we have been doing so much weird spider-related stuff on this channel over the last couple of months and so much of it has been spider girl related and that led us to spider verse and spider get in and now more spider verse so we've been like tangentially 
like touching everything but this run so like it just feels like it's time and uh, i looked over a bunch of it to have an idea of what's going on i read it some of it uh, previously so i would understand some of what was going on and other spider things but my understanding of this spider run is a little piecemeal still so i'm still like honing it together yep nico pretty much nailed it on the head in terms of what i think both of our understandings have been it's funny because we have been dealing with these like concepts of the characters and how they present through AUs and other properties as kind of symbols and totems and we end up talking a lot about like spider stuff which is like you know not just Peter Parker as Spider-Man but Mayday as Spider-Man his other daughter from another AU Annie as uh, a, a spider character and then we also talk about goblin stuff a lot so like various other people that have been goblins and the stuff that we've been reading you know there's more Phil Urich as a goblin person there's more Normie Osborne as a goblin person so like spider stuff and goblin stuff has been on our minds a lot but the main 616 spider stuff and goblin stuff not so much so this is an exciting time to kind of take all that stuff and apply it to where the main focus tends to be for Marvel alright cool so that's where y'all are I, I've been slowly picking through Zeb Wells' run of Amazing Spider-Man I read all the way through the end of Beyond love Beyond I was a little disappointed that Mary Jane and Spider-Man didn't pick it back up when they were going to with the end of Beyond. Steve is a pretty avid reader of this current Amazing Spider-Man run. But like, tell me, tell me, Steve, where are you at with like, what are you, how are you feeling with the Spider-Man run and Norman Osborn as the Gold Goblin? Uh, I love it. I've jumped onto Amazing Spider-Man because I love Zeb Wells and Zeb Wells was done with Hellions and I wanted to keep reading Zeb Wells. And this run has rewarded me magnificently. I have read other Spider-Man before. I think this is the best run of Amazing Spider-Man that I've read, which is not many, but it's very good, and it's doing a lot of stuff that I've never seen before with Spider-Man, and it's doing a lot of stuff that I've never heard of happening before with Spider-Man, which I think is much more significant. And Gold Goblin is a series I was extremely excited for because, I, I mean, the concept of Norman Osborn as a person who's genuinely and earnestly seeking to atone for his sins is unimaginable to me prior to this run. It's something I, I, I could never imagine. It's something that I could never take seriously. It's something that I would always be waiting for the other to drop but having the concept of the sin eater having taken away his sins and working that in is by far the most interesting thing to happen to Norman in my entire lifetime as a comics reader and as we see in this issue here it doesn't sin eater taking away his sins doesn't actually mean he's been absolved of his sins or that he's just like a good person now what it seems to mean is more it's it's more like the pen and stare like Norman is in hell because Norman for the first time ever has the capacity to feel guilt for the things he's done and regret for the things he's done and the pain of the things that he's done and for the first time he doesn't like laugh at that and think oh that's funny that's good that's what I wanted to do he wants to do good he wants to do good things he feels like a good person he feels like the person he was before he was the Green Goblin and probably before he was a business magnate because he committed a lot of sins in that time as well so we're looking at a man who is in hell constantly barraged by intrusive thoughts and hallucinations of the sins past that he's committed and it's it's a Norman Osborn I didn't think I'd ever see it's a Norman Osborn that I feel very sympathetic to in a way that I thought I could never get fooled again and I, I love spider-man's little joke in there of you know fool me once shame on me fool me a hundred times i guess I'm spider-man i'm spider-man <laughs> you know and, and that also goes for spider-man readers but i'm happy to be fooled in this case i'm also yeah. really loving land medina on this uh land medina and Antonio fabella did uh gamma flight and i am a huge fan and i love that this is another gold goblin we had phil Urich, who was the gold goblin in the future <laughs> and now we 
have Norman Osborn, Gold Goblin in the present. And I think it's really of note that, like, it's maybe not the best idea that he be the Gold Goblin. Like, this yeah, is not the only way I can atone for my sins <laughs> is to take up this mantle. It, yeah, it's it's essentially a bad idea. Like, yes, he is possibly in some moments <laughs> stopping some serious crimes, but he knows that this is, like, not really the path. And the does, fact does that... Norman need to be a superhero. <laughs> exactly. Like, is no. that... Is is that really atoning or is that just Fuck other pumpkins and you know the idea <laughs> of like somebody who regardless of what they're feeling and being in hell for their sins uh still needs to be in some form of control and can't accept a loss of control that so many others just have to deal with That's... it's very like you know straight white men can't ever not be in some form of power even when they're trying to do things the right way yep. and i i really appreciate that what we're not you know as you said steve it's not like norman is reformed it's all good now he can be a hero like yeah no he can't exactly uh I, I really the the thing about control you said is so important, uh, especially in this issue. I got so mad at Norman when he he's like, well, I know all these things are happening to me that totally make it look like I'm going to become the Green Goblin again. So I shouldn't tell Peter because I need Peter to keep his confidence in me. Otherwise, you know, he might like freak out. And it's like, what Norman, a Norman moment. Right? I freak out about you becoming a Green Goblin. Then genuinely, you are not in control of your situation anymore. And classic Norman, he has to be in control of that situation. At some point, I loved it. But at some point, it got too much. And I'm like, please quit showing Gwyn. Stacy's neck get broken nine times <laughs> I did like you know seeing him go through everyday life thinking about it but like at some point I'm like oh okay I don't need to see it again because but, it's important know. that we recognize that that is a, a cardinal sin for him that's really a, a huge character flaw that can't ever be escaped but at the same time it's like remember that fridging remember the fridging don't forget the fridging we fridge Gwen Stacy don't forget it and you know I if it were, whoops, we screwed up because we didn't talk about fridging back then and we should now do better, that would be one thing. But it really is in serv service of Norman's pathos, which it's a tough balance to strike and I don't know that it is done perfectly here. Yeah, it's funny that Gwen Stacy went from dying in order to give Peter Parker a motivation to become darker and more revengeful, vengeful and like to take things more seriously and now she's dying to give Norman a redemption plot over and over in his mind. But I like it generally. Uh, I think Chris Catwell is out of his fucking mind for showing Gwen <laughs> Stacy die on the page nine times in this issue. Honestly, it got to the point where it became just blackly co comic, you know? Oh yeah. It, it, it was almost like his use of, it was almost like his use of Norman having a gaping hole. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like four, three or four times it shows up in there. Like Norman has a gaping hole. <laughs> and I love that it used Judgment Day kind of better than Judgment Day. That, you know, yeah. I just saw you talking to Peter. So like that, that connectivity, that thread, that yeah. value of Gwen just came up and in such a powerful way. I don't know. This was a really rewarding read. I really <laughs> liked the first issue. I wish it had nothing to do with Dark Web because this is the big problem. I just I wish I Wait, why is this a problem? Um, because, because it only gets five issues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When we're talking about something as big as this sea change for Norman, that it is tied to an event that I'm not ready to stake my claim on. And it's gonna take a while to process and decide like, did I did I enjoy the whole event? Did I feel like we got something out of it? It's tough when a big change for a character like this is a mini that is tied so specifically to that particular event and the fact that we're seeing Golden Goblin already in dark web stuff, it just kind of mixes some signals for me. Yeah, I can understand that, especially since the whole 
whole reason that this book got made was so that it wouldn't be relegated to a B plot in right. Spider Man. Yeah. I can see how this makes it feel like a B plot to Dark Web instead. And that's exactly. really solve the problem. Yeah. yeah. I think Dark Web seems to be more of a micro event more than anything because it's Same. it's just one of those like old things where we had like Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider Man, and the X Men were in it. And like, so it just seems like one of those things. Like, you're like, oh, it's 05. Why? I don't know. But it is. I do love this term for Norman. I do love him trying to make up make some good for the damage done that list it was pretty wild I, I it's like we all tend to remember Gwen Stacy and he obviously does too because it was probably his first most heinous thing that he did like but uh looking at this list it reminds you of a lot more heinous things that he has done and so many of them to Peter Parker yeah <laughs> yeah do we so we think that is written by Norman himself and he forgot while he was in goblin mode right like <laughs> It's, it's got a list of names and Peter Parker's name is highlighted in bold and is on there many times. Like if somebody doesn't know that that's Spider-Man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I also love that. It's just the baby, the baby. Yeah. The baby. Lindy Reynolds. Wow. Rest in peace. Even though Steve told me everything that happened to Andrea Strucker, you know, I still don't feel bad for her. So I don't need Andreas to be, I don't feel bad for Andreas. I don't, I don't feel bad all. for Fenris <laughs> at all. I just want to make that abundantly clear. I'm just saying that name is on there because it's one of Norman Sims. Also, Nico, how much did you love seeing the final name on the list, Allison Mongrain? I lost my shit. She's in <laughs> so much of the MC2. I think she's actually in more MC2 than she is regular Marvel. Yep. It's just amazing. And it was one of those moments where I was like, fine, it's all full circle. It's all been yep. worth it. I read 280 issues of Spider-Girl and it was all worth it for this name on yeah. this list in this issue of Gold Goblin. Who is Allison Mongrain? Yeah, tell us for the listeners. Yes. She abducted the baby for Norm back in the clone saga and i love that it's the baby because at this point it is a schrodinger's parker baby is it annie is it mayday is it benji could have been any of them in this universe because they only get born and turn into who we see them as in the au's Mm, yes Mm. it's like pokemon exactly (laughs) like what are they going to evolve into so as we wrap this up are you excited for this going forward did this this give you a good understanding of of Zebwell's Spider-Man run, are you going to jump into uh, the Spider-Man run? Tell me, give me your thoughts. I'm in. You know, this is tied to Dark Web, so it's going to happen for me no matter what. I think, no, this does not get me into the Spider-Man run. That's kind of happening with other stuff, but if it were just this in isolation, I don't think it's the best sell on the run itself, and it doesn't give you enough information. My hope is for other readers that it does inspire you to go back and and read what's going on in Spider-Man, because it is great, but this very much feels like you kind of have to be invested for other reasons or really want to do the work this isn't giving you enough to kind of go on its own Mm, yes whereas i the norman osborne freak uh (laughs) if i if i had picked this issue up without having read this amazing spider-man run i'd absolutely need to know how he got here yeah (laughs) but i know not everybody is like looking at pictures of willem dafoe and crying softly (laughs) they do but yeah i i love this run i'm particularly interested in this comic uh i was very excited to hear about it when it was announced it's a story i've wanted to see get more focus on Chris Cantwell is a, a writer that I, I like quite a lot, and I, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But Len Medina and uh, Antonio Fabella are astonishing. I love them on Gamma Flight, and I think what they're doing here is really good. Norman Osborn looks like somehow he's like my Norman. This is like the Norman I see in my dreams. I don't, 
I don't dream about Norman Osborn all the time, but when I do, this is him. And I love the I love the subtle greens that just infect every page, just a little bit more and more. It's great. Characterization is phenomenal. Love it. The skull. That the fact that he signs a black market human skull to give to it. Oh, that is great. I do love that. I love the Gord on Gord crime, really. <laughs> I love one pumpkin fuck fighting another pumpkin fuck for ultimate pumpkin fuck supremacy. And there's just I think the thing that I love the most about this series is how much white he is in. Like it can possibly purify him. Like yeah. if he looks white and gold enough, you'll believe it too. A, a and, great byproduct of having that like reflective helmet is that he looks at skulls and goblins and you see it reflected back. Yeah. And I also, am. should he ever land at a Daft Punk concert, he's ready to go. <laughs> do, do I see Harry being able to do enough to have people forget that he was a really shit president of the United States? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> no. But it's fun ride and I'm here for it. <laughs> thousand percent. And I can't wait for what's next. And I think that's a uh, Nathan, you're going to be leading us on Namor with some more voices. That brings us to Namor Conquered Shores. So, Namor Conquered Shores was also brought to us by... Oh, you know what? First off, we have a new voice with us. Arturo, introduce yourself. Hey, que bola. What's up, folks? Good morning. Arturo, happy to be here. Let's talk some Namor. Let's get into some fish sticks. <laughs> Namor Conquered Shores 1 and 2 is what we're here to cover today. So, that is brought to us by the amazing Christopher Cantwell. Again, another Christopher Cantwell book we're covering. Yes. Pascal Ferry is our artist and colorist is Matt Hollingsworth and VC's Joe Carmagna is our letterer. So the earth is basically dying, at least on the surface and the heroes went off to fight the Kree and died? But This is like a glimpse into our very near future. This might be like, what, 2045? If Namor and Cap are going to look like this in 2045, I'm going to sleep Uh, until 2045. Reason enough to survive the apocalypse just to see them. The hottest old man versions of of characters I think we've seen today. Ever, ever. Yeah. That is one of the slightly mixed things about this is that like they all are super powered in such a way that it should be maybe a longer period of time. Like I would think it would take Namor longer than 20 years to get this kind of bedraggled. I'm just saying in terms of like real world climate change. That Right, that's what, that is the. But yes, yeah. you're probably right. And so the kind of the uncertainty with where exactly we are the timeline isn't bad it just kind of speaks to the fact that this is a very like for me this felt like the the last hurrah of this namor because i think after wakanda forever we all are starting to come to a consensus that cool as this guy has been in the past it's the tenochtwerta namor that we really want to see throughout every marvel property that we can and the coolest thing i think that you know i mean wakanda forever accomplished a lot of incredibly cool things but giving namor a a an origin and a story that is so differentiated from Aquaman's over in DC is just pivotal, right? Because like, it's very simple to say like, these guys are similar, right? Like that's, you know, like Quicksilver and the Flash are similar, right? But then it's the details that really differentiate them. And I think I think making Atlantis, even if we always called it Atlantis, making it, you know, giving it this different storyline was just brilliant. The, the coolest thing they could have done, the most compelling Namor that like we've ever seen, solved 
the debate of is it Namor or Namor, it's kind of like, well, whatever. It's wherever you're from, you can have a different accent, say it your way. But yes, I embrace Tinoch Namor. <laughs> Do you want to see a shift and MC unification of Namor as a character like in the comics themselves? Like, I personally, I would love them to be two separate entities. I love what Wakanda Same. Forever did, but I comics Namor is so ingrained in so many comics that I love. I can't, I can't see that shift. Like, although, although I was resistant to Nick Fury, and I actually kind of like new Nick Fury. Like, I like Nick Fury during the yeah, Nick Fury is real hot. But I think that's a great example because the Nick Fury we knew up until the MCU still technically exists. He uh, played a part in the most recent Fantastic Four run. Yep. Yep. And I think yes, I think we will ultimately see Atlantis Namor still in the picture. But I think the one that will be most prominent will be a new one that looks much more like MCU Namor. And that's totally fine. I just am sort of looking for those places where we are maybe starting to push the original Namor into the background a little bit. And I think for me, this felt like, you know, maybe we tell a sort of, uh, you know, as Nico called it when we were talking about it, an old man Namor story that lets us start to sort of sew things up a little bit so that he can sort of be set adrift. So true to the character because he's still he's still a dick and like when when the Kree attacked his response was like well that's the surface's problem like this is high time for Atlantis and he focused on that which is classic Namor being a dick right and like Atlantis first you know make Atlantis great again but now you know in the aftermath of that you see him you see like a, a little bit of a softer side to him right like he's not concerned with ruling he's concerned with serving he's trying to look out for the surface dwellers that are left it's true to his history as being a dick which I would say one of Namor's superpowers you know or mutant gifts is his dickishness like he is I thought you were going to say it's his dick <laughs> well God will in, in, in my had canon certainly but like in the entire marvel universe he's probably got the biggest ego and we literally have a character named ego who's the size of a planet and i think namor eclipses him so i love that this is true to that but also gave us like his compassion and how he is even if sometimes he's an anti-hero he is a hero and i think part of what they need to do in terms of the mc unification is we need to take a big step back and the first thing we need to say is if you're going to create another namor he has to be more authentic right because we are projecting a, a, a heritage onto namor now and not a funny heritage right because that's something that that holds back the marvel universe cinematically they're not willing to do latveria and wakanda and atlantis and as nations they have wakanda and that gets to be the nation and everything else is kind of like a magical hoo-ha land and that's kind of the way they treat things in a very simplistic way for the sake of never upsetting the geopolitical balance so if you're going to give us another Namor in the comics, based on the one from the MCU, I want him to somehow be more authentic than this Namor, which would piss this Namor off in a way that I love. But if this Namor is from a previous iteration of Atlantis, that our Namor, oh God, why can't I think of his last name? Because it's something so- Mackenzie. Mackenzie, I was like, it's like, oh. it's Namor Kevin Arnold or something. <laughs> yep. 
but you know Nate oh Marita's... i thought it was prentice but that's name marita's last name mm-hmm. and you know what she's cooler so um <laughs> i just feel like this story allows us to take a look at namor without any of the restrictions of the marvel universe as canon this is its own thing because what we really need is a chance to detach from namor and attach in a new way you know nathan you i after you said what you said at the start of the episode i didn't really think there was a whole lot of more coverage i needed to add because they have to be two separate people and that's the end of it. you cannot get rid of this namor yeah. but you need to add the other one and yeah. they have to be two separate people steve who unfortunately could not be in the room to join us for this coverage just left a comment mentioning the fact that namor is currently on the avengers and he maybe is not being pushed to the background the only thing i will say to that is we are seeing this avengers run come to a close which is something that we are going to be covering on the show as well as we move over into the summer of symbiotes i think we will be shifting to a new makeup of the avengers team but also the writing team and i believe when that happens namor as we know him will maybe not be as front and center that avengers coverage by the way is going to be a new year's special that literally covers an issue per minute so you really don't want to miss it we are all becoming speedsters As we part of our be, resolution, we will be somewhere between the wizard and the blur. I mean, yeah, no. oh, it's gonna be squadron <laughs> supreme all up. It's gonna be amazing. Uh, even if we're all speedsters, I still reserve the right to be two minutes late to everything. <laughs> well, two minutes in speedster time is like twenty seconds, though. Right, but you gotta factor in human human time, and it's right back to two minutes, all which right, means so, twenty. So I, I do love the focus on the invaders as a relationship for the original invaders. Those. Three Three original heroes of the Marvel Universe, Captain America, Namor, and the original Human Torch, Jim Hammond. So I love issue two because Namor is so fucking in love with Jim Hammond, it seems like. He like love hates him. <laughs> Like, well, but then also Sue and maybe Doctor. D- he keeps being like, our relationship is complicated with everyone, and I'm just like, this is you know, this is Namor. He's just been going around fucking everybody, and now yeah, in the far future, he has to go revisit all of his exes, including Doctor Doom and Sue and the Human Torch. <laughs> well, I, I mean, Sue's already to me. Sue's <laughs> So, like, the only thing that like I, I get why Namor didn't leave, and I get Jim Hammond. Like, everybody forgets about him. So, like, why would he go to? Why would he go to the Kree Empire? But like, well, I I don't get Captain America staying behind. I can buy Luke Cage staying behind, but I also, it's a weird character to throw into that dynamic. So I'm just like, I'm kind of like, I'm waiting to see where this all goes. I did like seeing him rummage through, you know, the Baxter building. I can't wait to see what happens when they go to Latveria. But like, you know, uh, and I'm digging the zaddy as fuck redesigns of everybody. So like, I mean, Captain America looks so damn hot. Namor looks so damn hot. Yeah. Even Atuma looks so damn hot. Everybody's looking good. Well, but the only thing that shocked me was the colors feel a little off for a fairy Mm. book. Not like in a bad way. Because like, and you know what? Off, I really, I wish I hadn't said off. I wish I had said unusual, different, different palette. Yeah. Yeah. It feels maybe a little more vibrantly digital than Mm. I'm used to from a Matt Hollingsworth book. It feels a little bit more video game saturated than I'm used to from a book by Pasquale Ferry. But ultimately, I'm really happy with this. I didn't think I was going to read it. And then Teak was like, I kind of want to read this. And I was like, well, if he's going to read it, I'll read it along with him. And I'm glad that we're covering it for the show. I thought him being like, flying's hard. I'm old. I was like, you know what? Stairs are hard. I'm 36. So I get it. (laughs) 
I love how like point after point, like Namor was like, uh, you guys know, like, yeah, we're old and we're like still here, but the torch is still gonna be here way after we're gone. Like he said, like Robot fifty times. <laughs> is Namor like Wanda a little bit where he's really just super into robots? I don't know. <laughs> I mean the sexual tension with him and Machine Man, I didn't dream that. Yeah, I don't know. Namor, uh, like uh, Joel McHale on Community, has chemistry with everyone. I appreciate that Chris Cantwell decided to tell the story that he wanted to tell in a very iconographic way that it, it has to be an AU or a future story because, it, you know, that's what it is. But it feels like it's not like Earth number whatever. It's just one timeless tale that really hits some important notes about who Namor is and I think it's really also important to note that like a lot of people over the years have pitched Namor as a kind of environmental warrior and somebody who's trying to save this planet and it's a story and, and it's one of the reasons I feel as though we have to move to a different Namor whose motivations are different because yeah. this Namor is always going to be a little obsessed with the oceans in a way that a corporation is never going to want to tell the most authentic story possible for him and I I think Cantwell found the best, closest way to do that in a way that's going to be acceptable for a major corporation to publish in a way that doesn't feel like save the environment, but we also pollute a lot. Sorry. Right. And we might be blaming it on the creep, but page after page, it's kind of like, and here's what the world's our earth is yeah. fucked. Yeah. yeah. If the seas yeah. do are rising, then yeah, here, here's where we will end up. Here's our future. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. All right, uh, last thoughts. Uh, loving the book. Hey, like, yay, nay, middle. I'm, I'm thumbs up. I can't wait to see. But you know, I will be upset when we don't get a hot love scene between Torch and Namor. That you know. Yeah, I agree. I love it. It could be even sexier, and I'd be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm down for for more shirtlessness. I, I'm really enjoying the art. Also, the writing's good. I'm into it. How many issues is this going to be? Four, five, five. Count me in. I really just want to see Namor get a send off. That's cute. Not that every character needs a wow. If they're going to die, that's how I want it to go. But if you could give me a that's how Namor should die. All right. And then just work toward it. Just secretly work toward it. And we can get new Namor and everything's great. But don't kill Namor. But just have him ready to die. I just want him ready. I guess that's it's problematic. But, you know, Namor, buddy. Well, that's exactly what we got with Nick Fury. Didn't kill him, but he's always ready to die. And I want to point out one thing that I didn't get to bring up. That's kind of like part of the thesis behind this. They were so careful to point out how many acts of horrifying racism against black cultures Namor has committed in this book mm. with his attack on Wakanda in AVX, his fight with Luke Cage in AVX. They've presented Namor as a problematic character. And I'm not saying protect him, you know, going forward, but I'm saying if we can demote him and point to his problematic behaviors as problematic while maintaining the value of the character in history, not going forward, but the fact that the stories that have led to who I think would have been a better choice than Luke Cage still for, you know, the sake of understanding there needs to be a balance of diversity. I think Adam the Blue Marvel would have stayed behind. I think Adam would have played a really pivotal role. Adam, Cap, and Namor would have been a really beautiful trilogy of characters. Um, but, you know, I anyway, I think Namor is problematic. I'm ready to see him transition to a new place. I'm ready to have a new Namor. And if this book can give us an acceptable way to see him sunset, sunset him like an app on an old operating system. In Namor's defense, AVX was problematic for a whole lot of people in a whole lot of ways. So Yep, absolutely. All right. Is, I believe that's commercial, right? Well, Done. Commercial for death for Thanos or whatever. <laughs> Thank you.
I am super duper excited to be back and talking more stuff. And we have the same amazing crew from earlier, but we have one very unforgettable voice who we could not do this show without. Hey. Hi. All hail Raven. So thrilled to be here to talk about this book today because I am such an enormous fan of one of these creators. This is like <laughs> a homecoming moment for me. Uh, we're talking Thanos Death Notes with a number of incredible writers, including Torin Grunbeck, Chris K. Cantwell, and more. But notably, I need to go out of my way and take a second to point out J. Michael Straczynski, who is one of my all-time favorite creators, who did my favorite run of Spider-Man. Like, the only run of Spider-Man I would comfortably say I know a whole lot about is the JMS run of Spider-Man. There's also uh, an additional story by Kyle Starks, and this tells a really interesting sort of segment of Thanos. Now, for me, the JMS story was my favorite. I'm kind of, like, a simp for jms it's kind of cool it's whatever it's fine i'm not going to question it it's what it is but i would love to get your guys reaction to this book was there a story that stood out for you guys were you just like that's the one i would love to get your guys reaction to thanos in general as well i'm honestly just here for the torn grombeck part <laughs> i'm like yes already have that thor issue ready to read i'm like got done reading this gotta read that thor issue because she's doing thanos and runa and thor i'm like Mwah. love it but yeah i i did i love the i mean basically it's the set up here but i love i love that i loved how her voice on thor and thanos is pretty spot on to where i want i i love this i mean thanos has like a a very special place in my heart infinity gauntlet was the first huge you know across different lines humongous uh crossover that i i ever really was experiencing in real time as a kid so it was it hit really hard and actually i just found i've been organizing my comics i have issue number one signed by George Perez. Wow. Which is pretty sick. But That's anyway, amazing. Near and dear character because of that, right? And this for me was just like a really fun, not like a recap. It wasn't that exhaustive, but it was like a nice, uh, you know, it was like a nice bottle episode of different bits of Thanos lore. And, and I like how we bounced around from him being, you know, the scrawny kid, the queer-coded deviant child, you know, to him falling in love with death to the aftermath of the infinity gauntlet it was just like a nice little skip through time i think for me it was it's tough it was the straczynski was really fantastic i loved the cantwell as well my thing with thanos at this point is i am ready to kind of change the conversation a little bit up the ante and this idea of him maybe starting to just mind fuck everyone and like present you know the the idea that he's presenting to iron man here that like the universe has just been thanos and everybody is un unable to comprehend <laughs> how bad things are because to Tony me so susceptible to that that and that's the most oh, hilarious yeah. part is like it's so literally funny. something he could have just said over a beer and it would just ruin tony's day slash life you know again Cantwell really getting to the root of characters but also able to really look forward the Straczynski one really was beautiful and gave a lot of weight to the character and a lot of depth that to be able to establish that much in a short story in an anthology book is pretty impressive it really did give us kind of a new state of the Thanos to work off of 
And I guess, you know, my one critique is not for any writer, but more for uh, publishing an editorial, which is that like having this come out after Judgment Day in a way that it's not really yeah. in any way tied to it just felt a bit of a missed opportunity because we kind of did go yeah. through a lot of Thanos from Eternals up until like literally two weeks ago. And there's so much fun. That's such a good point. There's so much fun you could have with like with Uranus or Uranus, depending on how you pronounce it. Now, so my question for you then becomes Raven, yes. you know, uh, how do you Thanos? Do you Thanos? Don't you Thanos? Do you kind of Thanos? Do you Thanish? Oh, this is gonna, uh, you know, you know me. I have very strong opinions on so many things. This, I think, was one of the best anthologies I've seen so mm -hmm. far from Marvel. Usually the stories don't quite tie together. This felt like a wonderfully abridged version of Thanos' history. And I, I, I was here for it. I was really, really here for it. Beyond that, I think they did a really great job of addressing certain things like how he did fall in love with death, which honestly, bitch, go to therapy. I get it. Your wife freaking died. The one woman who could gentle you. Really? Dude, therapy. Find it, please. Like, get get yourself a cosmic <laughs> Freud. I don't know what to tell you at this point. But yeah, it's like, they did a really good job. Overall, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the timing of the release was a little odd, but I think it's just, you know, so many things have been thrown into disarray in this last year. I think that's what it ultimately came down to. But I absolutely adored the different storylines, the abridgment of his history, and I especially liked to see him interacting with Death. He is such a fucking simp. He's such a fucking simp. But I love that Death doesn't just, you know, she's not just pulling him and leaving him along. She needs him to learn a particular thing. And like, it's interesting to see how his wife's memory, you know, is like, you're so close, but you're you're so far from the point. Versus Death is like, mm, yes, yes, yes. That's exactly the point I wanted you to learn. <laughs> that was good. It was good. I see. And I want to, uh, yeah, I want to take a moment and say, welcome back to the program, Steve. Uh, it was a bummer losing you, but we're super glad to have you back. And we're just talking some Thanos death notes. And I'd love to get your death note on Thanos. Great. We're talking about all of my favorite characters at Marvel today. We've already covered Norman Osborn. I unfortunately miss Namor. We get to do Thanos and then Blade next. I'm a big Thanos fan. I'm wearing my... Thanos Christmas sweater currently. <laughs> he's such an interesting character. His simping for death is always a, a fun time. Uh, he's he's a poet of annihilation. Um, he's very interesting to me. I was excited about Thanos Death Notes. What I did not realize when I picked it up was that it would A, be an anthology collection of flashbacks to classic moments in Thanos' history to fill them in, sort of like a X-Men legacy for Thanos. And I did not realize yeah. that it was also a side story presented for the current Thor run. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a kind comic yeah. that is intended to fill in the space of a, a quest that Thor is on and that is going to be continued in the next Thor issue. Not in the next Thanos comic. Uh, I was hoping that this was the return, the grand return of Thanos to our universe after his messy exit in uh, Eternals. So a little bit of a letdown on that, but I thought the art was phenomenal on this book. I was very excited. The, a lot of my favorite colorists worked on this book and I got a very beautiful Daniel Acuna variant cover. Oh, uh, gorgeous. Yes. George Burroughs. Very, very so beautiful. good. 
yeah, overall, I really enjoyed the comic. I thought there are some stories that I thought were a little bit goofy, and we can get into that. And there are there is a story that I thought was pretty good. Uh, I've, I've got uh, I, you know, the page of the whole anthology has to be the infinite torture device of Thanos. My God. Yes, sorry, Roko's Basilisk. <laughs> I love it. It's not like you're burning for eternity or whatever. No, you're like on conveyor belts endlessly being oh, yeah. by like saws like just chop suey heroes like, that is the panel i'm looking at right now that like is. the worst deli meat counter ever the fact yeah. that oh yeah decided to like looney tunes way to like torture people forever this whole story is almost like uh like a reverberation from the mcu uh age of ultron where tony stark sees this vision and he's like shaken to his core it's just uh you know it's a, a familiar drumbeat and one of the things that i thought was so significant about this book was as you said Steve, the way it fills in so many of the gaps of the story that is Thanos, for instance, the fact that Corella, this is her first appearance, this mm -hmm. character, this massive moment in what is a look at Thanos' psychology, whether it's real or it's imagined or it's a lie, no matter what version of this, this idea that we're putting an embodiment of sadness to Thanos prior to all of the madness is something that I think doesn't enter the sort of Reddit Thanos was right kind of <laughs> gremlin cult mindset where I think this is the kind of story that really this issue in general all of these multifaceted elements really came together to remind me Thanos is a character not just a plot device mm. because that's one of the biggest things I think Marvel forgets I have to want to keep reading some of these characters and when it feels to me like they're only ever used as a device it can really be hard to connect and I thought this added such a human element to Thanos that I really needed as a reader it, it, Bridged her. Yeah, I I personally yeah. did not like that story at all because I felt like I don't buy that Thanos was ever a good person based on everything yeah. I know of Thanos. Like he was basically born a monster. He started cutting things up immediately. He killed his own mom. Like it's so hard for me to look at Thanos and be like, oh no, this guy was good except for that like one woman who could tame his beast nature died for him. Yeah. Well, you know, she I, I listened to his crime podcast and you know, no. sent him letters and like, come on. Yeah, like, I, um, I wanted him to be more human but the way they the way they fridged her death's, really... death's moral story does not make any sense to See, me in this story like I, I, she's manipulating thanos but i don't think she's doing a good job oh, i'm sorry i think the is gonna come back i think this is the start of something i hope so. i think that when jms gets added to something it's usually like a moment jms doesn't just show up to not have his way and his big thing is inserting things you didn't know into the past yeah. and how they affect the future whether it's his spider-man his thor his uh, Squadron Supreme run as Supreme Power, his the 12. His whole thing is the character you didn't know is the character that defines the future. So that's a huge part of where I'm seeing a lot of potential to this story, that that is such a hallmark of JMS's Marvel work. I'm really hoping it carries through here. I want to see more of Jeff Shaw and Dean White on Thanos, honestly. I thought Jeff Shaw made Thanos look really cool in this like particular story, and Dean White's colors are always a marvel to me. It's just like so nuanced, gritty. There's like this gross, nasty feeling to the realm of death that makes you feel like it might be really cold and stinky there. And just getting that off the color work. Kind of like a grape. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Corella's look too. It's very, like, it's it's even though she is a brand new character, it fits right in with that classic Eternals look the characters had back then. It's like a classic Eternals, like almost Asgardian.
and like I'm like, is she Carnella? Oh no, she's not old Carnella. She's Carella. Like so, like I, I love I love her look and how it fits in with the time that she would have character wise been in. Yeah, well, and she's the antithesis to death. So while death is very muted and rotted tones, Carella is very light, almost spring like. So I, I did like the the color choice and the the costuming that they did for her because it gave her a very lively feel. No pun intended. <laughs> but yeah, no, like th- there was a lot of really great art and 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 backstory and sub story being being told by the art in the background. Just yeah. there there were certain plot points. I'm like, I think I would have more empathy for Thanos if they had lived a happy life together and then he had like had to watch her decline and just it drove him out of his skull because she was one of the few people who connected with him and and saw him as a beautiful person versus automatically seeing him and thinking oh this mm, there's something not quite right about him i should shun him yeah thomas cummins in our uh, comment section just asked is this issue a good primer for someone not familiar with dennis comic book history uh that's an interesting question i don't think i would say yes i think it's more like if you really like thanos this is a great way to get some like little extra stories for him like not all these stories worked for me as a thanos fan but the art did incredibly on all of them and some of them are just like sometimes you just want a little fun thanos story like some of my favorite thanos stories are like christmas stories and stuff like that and i feel like all three of these all four of these stories kind of slot into that tradition yeah i think my favorite thanos story this kind of fits into that tradition but my favorite thanos story is where he like goes to that person's birthday like every year like oh god it's so petty i love it it's so good (laughs) we're going to be doing a call for last thoughts on thanos death notes before we move over to some blade vampire nation action so we're going to go right in order i'm going to start with tk tk hit me with your last thoughts on thanos death notes yeah, I mean, I agree with everything everybody said. It's a really fascinating look at a character. Unfortunately, maybe not a great primer. You know, if you really want to get into Thanos history, that's a Travis Starnes mission. But if you pick up from the first issue of Karen Gillan's Eternals and read all the way through uh, to Judgment Day, through Judgment Day, that is a good Thanos right now. And it encompasses a lot of what's great about the character without having to do all the backstory reading. You know, Infinity Gauntlet, all those also fantastic but if you want Thanos as he is today we've had some good stuff recently that captures a lot of the character and I still don't know after reading this if I'm gonna read Thor but I'm more uh, inclined to do so than ever Nathan <laughs> I am definitely reading this Thor run because Thor and Gronbeck love her uh, but other than that uh, I would say is uh, I-, I liked it. it it didn't expand upon Thanos as much as I really wish it didn't really give me much more of a grasp of Thanos and where the character where writers want to take the character it did sort of do a good job of like encapsulating certain eras I do think Corella was like unnecessary because like I just like the guy just being a shit guy he's a real shit guy like I, I don't need somebody like coming in and caring for Nebula we we know that Nebula had a really shit life so like I don't need a secret like oh mommy figure so like uh, like I'm torn but I think overall it was good it was fun and I'm glad I read it love it dropping down to Steve yeah, I uh, I think that this issue is great to pick up if you love there's if you love a lot of the people who work on Thanos in general. Like th- these are some of my favorite Thanos artists. Um, you get to see Travel Foreman back from Ultimates and Black Cat doing Thanos. You get to see Ron Lim always fantastic on Thanos. Jeff Shaw takes a, a really interesting look at his facial features and how like his mouth moves, and I really love that. Uh, if you want to see some of Marvel's best working colorists, this is a great issue to check out. Love that recommendation. It's not gonna- not going to make me read 
played Thor, but I think Torin has an amazing voice for Thor. I was really sold on the voice for Thor. Same, kind of same, totally, unfortunately, but same. And that's my bopping, Thor, right? Bopping over to Arturo. For me, Ron Lim and Don Hall colors in the bar at the end of the line, which is really just a glorified bar fight scene for Thanos. The art in that is worth the price of admission alone. Like it is thick, gorgeous, just Chad Thanos and just breathtaking. Yeah. Thought that staying with me after I read this is when death tells Thanos that all life must give way to death, but in turn, death must create space for new life. And I just love that. I thought that was like a deep thought, like, you know, the cycles of life and death. And it makes Thanos's purpose and death's entire being and, and characterization in the Marvel Universe a lot more interesting than just this hunger for darkness and destruction, but rather like a tool for balance. And I, I thought it was cool. And now I'm Craven Raven. <laughs> Honestly, I would say pick this issue up. It's it's not necessarily a, a good primer per se, but each and every one of these stories was worth reading. They were fun. They were good. Even with the fridging, I still say this book was worth picking up because the stories were interesting and they did give you a bit of background on who you know Thanos is and maybe a little bit of his pathos. So yeah, overall, just like art, cohesion of stories, just the fact that they were all really actually well done. Like nothing missed for me. Which, if you've ever heard any of the podcasts, oh, I am loud about things that do not <laughs> for me. So this was, I think this was really well done. And I think I might actually go and pick up some more Thanos stuff and check them out. So yeah. No better result from a book than being inspired to interact with more comics. I love that. And uh, if you're inspired to interact with more of our material, don't forget to like and subscribe. We have some amazing material here featuring so many of these incredible voices and faces. And we love making it all for you. And if you want to know a little bit more about that check out this commercial I am so excited to be back and here to talk about a really fun issue. We have a number of the same crew with us and it is so exciting to be here to talk about Blade Vampire Nation because this show has had a weird history of vampire coverage in a really positive way. Good weird. That we don't really get a chance to like talk about vampires in a direct way because Marvel is always so secretly embarrassed about the fact that they have vampires huh. that they always sort of relegate them to secondary books as a rule. And, and Wolverine. And Wolverine. <laughs> Yeah, like Wolverine. <laughs> and which so many of us feel gets, you know, secondary book level. <laughs> We're here to talk about Blade Vampire Nation by Mark Russell, Dave Watcher, D. Kuniff, and VCs Corey Pettit. And I went into this book ready for like a fun C. I walked out of this book with an excited <coughs> A minus, and it was just a silly fun time. I don't know that I walked away a big smarter man, but I really love when Blade is the main character of a book. And I would love to get your guys' reaction to Blade Vampire Nation and Blade as a protagonist for the Marvel universe i gotta say like blade has become a character that I've, I've liked a lot more since like one of the few characters jason aaron has actually made me like more so like i i love what jason aaron started and did with it i love that this continues off of it 
it really has been a payoff again of the Avengers work that we've been doing. Um, and yeah, you know, like you, Nathan, uh, the Aaron run really made me appreciate Blade a little bit more than I think I did. We had previously talked about maybe doing this book when we covered things like Ghost Rider, because this is kind of in the horror genre as well. Seeing the idea of a vampire nation, you know, Nico, you were talking earlier about like Wakanda and Atlantis and, you know, we've got Krakoa, we've got all these kind of nation states forming around IPs for Marvel. And I love playing around with the idea of a vampire nation, you know, the idea that it's in an irradiated area. So somehow it's, you know, not colonizing or displacing anybody. There's a bunch of weird stuff going on that there is a lot of room to do some really good work. And if nobody's up to the task, then Aaron and, you know, people like Mark Russell have done a good job of giving us a little something to look at and maybe just do the imagining for ourselves. I uh, I love Blade. I always love Blade. I uh, grew up with the incredible Blade trilogy of movies. Blade 2 remains to this day maybe the greatest superhero film ever made. I grew up reading Tomb of Dracula. Big fan. He was in the 90s animated Spider-Man show and he's so fucking cool there. <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm always excited to read a Blade comic. I'm also a Mark Russell fan. Uh, I don't know if any of you read it, but Mark Russell just wrapped on uh, One Star Squadron over at DC Comics and Not All Robots uh, independently. And he's just, he's a writer who's deeply satirical, very funny, very smart, loves to get at the heart of things, loves to work in allegory. And um, I would say this is like the least funny Mark Russell comic I've ever read. Like there are, there are funny moments. Blade is a funny guy. But this is like a comic I didn't expect where it's it's very very straightforwardly cool about like political intrigue and culture and like getting a look at like how the vampire society actually works, how the world treats them, how they treat humans. We see so much of their culture, their politics, different views of different vampires, traditionalists, modernists, people who've just been turned, people of different ages, people of different levels of power in the society. It is astonishing how much work gets done to make me know and care about the vampire nation by the end of this one issue. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's it's, an, it's another great example of amazing comics spinning out of Jason Aaron's Avengers run. If if nothing else, and I, there's lots of good things to say about that Avengers run, but if nothing else, that Avengers run has inspired a lot of my favorite comics since 2018. And it seems to continue doing that. And now that we know that there's a Bloodline Daughter of Blade book by Danny Lore coming out very soon, very excited to read that. I, I hope Vampire Nation by Mark Russell continues on. I don't know if this is going to be a, a single issue or extended out, but I think there's a lot of room. This is a one shot so far yeah we will be covering blade's daughter's book though we will be covering that so hard that little preview of her was so cool and i am so in i am in so hard raven please tell us how did you feel about vampire nation how do you feel about blade like i also grew up with blade trilogy of movies as well as some of the comic books number three is the best i'm sorry it just is ryan reynolds is the perfect foil up against wesley snipes there needs to be that interplay he needs uh he's the straight man he needs the the bumbling goof to play off of and raven do you know the story about how like they weren't even in that car together when ryan reynolds was just recording jokes over and over really this band getting high and like (laughs) they were just not didn't even share scenes they were just like play something together 
You're right. They have great chemistry. It's so funny that they weren't even in the car. And it, honestly, it felt so good. But like, I was going in thinking, okay, this is going to be a hack and slash. And instead, we got to see Blade in a much more detective role. And I was so impressed how well they pulled that off. I was like, oh, this is a different side of Blade. Because he doesn't always, you know, like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. It's mostly, yep, you got fangs. You target people. I'm just going to murder you. <laughs> So it was kind of great to see him actually doing his job as a sheriff, which is to investigate first, then murder. Like <laughs> He will get to the murder, but the investigation does come first. Not his favorite exactly. way to kill vampires, he says. Exactly. exactly. I, I, I think they did a really good job. And I loved how much I got a quick look at, at you know, the Vampire Nation kind of culture and how the structure yeah. works. Because honestly, we don't get to see behind the scenes too often in a lot of these nations. So it is kind of nice to see the slice of unlife, <laughs> I guess you could the say. The slice of death. Right? Slice of death book, you know. We already talked about Thanos. Go <laughs> <laughs> the death notes. This is just a slice oh. of death. Oh, okay. But I do really appreciate the. Um you know, Blade getting a more nuanced view of mm -hmm. vampire, you know, the idea that he wants to facilitate a vampire nation because that is a lesser of two evils, better scenario will result in less carnage yeah. as long as he can be the law, which maybe is also not, it's kind of like the Norman thing. It's maybe not the best idea. Like it can't <laughs> kind of just be Blade. Oh. It, um, it's gonna blow up spectacularly right I was, but i, I, I like the nuance of like he doesn't just want to kill vampires he wants to stop the like like vam vampire crime essentially so if giving them a nation is the way to do it okay we'll figure that out and now maybe he's in over his head which is fun yeah i was saying just yesterday about how funny it is that blade is expected to like be the only cop in vampire nope. nation to keep this one, it's, the but one. It's, even, it's, it's even funnier that he totally does like it works oh, yeah <laughs> he just fucking does it. <laughs> and I think it's because Blade has a unique cool factor. Yes, it is. Like, there's a thing where even poorly written Blade, you blame the writer, not Blade. But like, <laughs> poorly written Wolverine, because there's great Wolverine, but poorly written Wolverine, you're always kind of like, I don't know, three claws on one hand, a fourth of a dozen on the other. Like, hot claws, hot claws. Hot claws, you never hot know. Claws. And like, so, but I feel like with Blade, what I'm promised is like, a sexy good time. And like, like, this was just a silly, fun, sexy, good time. Like, this didn't feel like it copied anything from AmVamp over at DC by Snyder, but it felt like it continued on that same idea of nuanced, complex vampires, you know, like diplomacy in a modern age. It had a lot of things that I just thought were so clever, and the art was so good. The idea that everything was related to food made me so happy. I thought that was really clever because vampires, you know, Everybody was like, oh, they're only into blood. But he made all of these beautiful connections with food, which is something so real to so many of us. I, you know, my kitchen cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. It was so yeah. silly. And yeah, Dracula I'm would be silly. Laughing. Yeah. And I, I yeah. loved it. I did look at the reason I did love the look into the reasons why humans would live in, in that city. Yeah. Right? I love, I love and like life it. isn't necessarily worse for them. Yeah. No, like you you got three options. You can become a vampire, you you work during the day for the vampires, or you know, you get a really good free life, no no job, then eventually you gotta be eaten. It, it sucks that a bunch of people are getting to live a rent free, uh luxurious, easy life and then get eaten and then there's a bunch of people who are working like the day jobs and the menial tasks and then get eaten <laughs> yeah. 
that doesn't seem fair. Right? right. Like it, it all ends in getting eaten, folks. There's there's so much like social commentary in this book, even though it's you know funny and slightly more lighthearted for for Blade. I'm just like, wow, there's a lot of real life comparisons here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys ever think about how the whole world is like totally cool with Vampire Nation that has acknowledged them and recognized them, but there are still nations being like, no, we will not nope, sovereignty. No, yep. we will not take it. We are going to attack you every day. I bet there's no X Force, and it's just Blade, and Blade's yeah. not doing X Force jobs. Yeah, really? why is it Orcus after the vampire? Having all of these nations allows us to you know we can do sort of micro human life commentary and the fact that like as humans that live in our world we might aspire to go live in vampire nation because for some of us the circumstances are better but then we (laughs) can look at this much broader like reflection of geopolitics and sort of say like it's weird that i can totally believe that the united nations would just figure out how to accept a vampire nation but still would have trouble with the slightly more queer seeming country (laughs) the the queer and like black coded and like all of these like different political things all these marginalized people like vampires are not a marginalized people i'm sorry when blade kills a vampire i don't feel bad about it (laughs) and they're and they're they're mostly they're they're mostly white like i very much noticed they are mostly white so vampire you know what i mean and like i i think marvel we've said it before marvel vampires are kind of crummy like they're just kind of like bummers for the most part the marvel vampires lack for the most part that cool factor and i think i think uh when you think who's more uncool you think white so (laughs) i wanted to get um I wanted to get some last thoughts from everybody on Blade. Fucking love the Age of Blade. I think this is a great time. More Blade. Please, more Blade, Marvel. You're doing a great job with that. He should just keep increasing because he has a coolness that has not been damaged by overuse or poor usage. And I would love to see Blade really take a standout place in a pantheon of big heroes. I I agree with all that. I'd love to see more from Blade. As I said, this book was almost on the, like, dark horror fantasy segment and i would love to see a consistent enough blade vampire story happening at marvel that we could kind of slot it in with those other books the horror stuff at marvel is really fantastic right now and i would just love to keep that pattern rolling and see all these things sort of consistently having stories told where we can see them interweave a little bit. And I think, you know, vampires and Blade are such an important part of horror tropes that if this is going to be kind of a new golden age for that stuff at Marvel, Blade would be a really important part of keeping that going. I think this would be a great start. It's a great book, first of all. Like, even though I gave it like a B, I'm like, it's a great book. Like, I'm excited it was great. But like, I would love to see this be like a launching point for like, you know, we have an X office. We have a Spider-Man office. We we have an Avengers office. Let's get a horror office. Let's get some blood Guts yes all yes i would honestly love to see blade get get a little bit more tie-in with like some of the other vampire uh books like i would love to see midnight mission you know spit out reese moon knight and soldier and like have a little bit of an interaction there or I would also love to see an Exterminator Blade crossover. That would be friggin' phenomenal. I need to see Blade trying to deal with Boom Boom, Jubilee, Dazzler, and Wolverine just going, oh, in the background. <laughs> Unfortunately, I will have to read all out Avengers to discover more of Blade's story. Unfortunately, I have to read Avengers Beyond to follow more of Avengers Beyond. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. 
my actual final thoughts are I want to point out who these people in the Vampire Council are because I did some work to try to figure out who they are. The Vampire Council at the end is composed of what appears to be Sun Tzu, Niccolo Machiavelli, Henry Kissinger, Tamaris, and Charles Maurice uh, de Teleron Perigord, which I don't speak French. That's amazing. Thank you for doing that research. Thank you so um, much. That is an amazing, horrible, actual counsel yes. for the vampire. Yeah. yeah, I saw Henry Kissinger. I was like, oh, these are bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> these are bad guys. The colonial guys. outfit didn't give you a clue that these might be the bad guys? That is what started it, yes. Well, I can't wait to come back and talk more vampires. And until then, I think we've got an invasion that might be a secret, but uh, don't tell me. Is it a secret? We're calling this uh, meeting of the council to order to discuss the espionage and secrets going on behind the scenes at Marvel right now and the reemergence of Secret Invasion, this time written by Ryan North with art by Francesco Mobley, color art by Jordi Belair, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Friends, how did you feel about the original Secret War? Secret Invasion? Secret Invasion. Sorry, what's wrong with me? Secret Invasion. It's actually like my favorite period in like Marvel crossover development ever mm -hmm. like i love being like who now who next ah! i don't know that i could ever read it with the same excitement i had then yeah but there was something about being in it and being so enculturated in the madness of comics at the time that it felt limitless being a part of secret invasion that there were all of these embrace change ads everywhere you looked you didn't know what was going to be on the next like I, it was a really exciting time for me as a reader and what it gave birth to was exciting said and done looking back i have some uneasy feelings about the way it portrays other cultures and the idea of being different and people hidden among us it's got some weird overtures that i'm sure weren't intended but you know not every offense is intended that said i'm excited to see the future hang on to that thought because i want to revisit it in the context of this after nathan what about you in secret <laughs> invasion the original i was in and out of comics at the time like i remember being excited to read it i do remember seeing the ads the ads were like every fucking where like you couldn't like not read a comic book without doing it i i was excited with i was excited to get mockingbird back <laughs> <laughs> because i was like no it was the worst thing that happened when she died to me but beyond that I, I can't say i love it i really don't love what it did to jessica drew and you know the character like that you know she'd been making a comeback and then oh it's a scroll oh she's a scroll queen and then like when she came back she's jessica drew didn't really deal with it much it she got she her story kept going but like she didn't really deal with implication of what that would mean i i don't feel i never thought i agree with both of these things i kind of was in a similar boat to nico i picked comics back up again with the morrison run and as the morrison run ended and we started coming into avengers disassembled and then new avengers i for the first time in my readership as a comic reader started doing stuff besides the x-men and so really I, that was my you know one of my first threads of being like i care about more at marvel than just mutants was uh you know them noticing that something weird was going on in that first issue of new avengers and the payoff is years later
later in Secret Invasion, which was so impressive to me. I mean, Bendis, for, you know, the many problems I think we come to realize with a lot of his work, <sighs> could write some master strokes of grand plot over time. But at the same time, you know, I started reading Jessica Drew then, and I, I fell in love with Spider-Woman. And then to be told, psych, I could even maybe figure out how to forgive it with work being done. But yeah, we never really got to say, how am I supposed to read this character now, knowing that the one that I was reading is not her? and that authentically she should not be recognizable to me starting after Secret Invasion. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool to see that because like Jessica, like at that point before then was just like a ancillary X-Men character like Carol Danvers kind of had become for a while. Like we're like, oh, cool. She'll show up in a Wolverine book here and there. Right. Like, like you remember Jessica Drew? Here she is, you know, but like also it felt weird to me because they had done this before in X-Men with Wolverine. Yeah, and the Alan Davis 375. Yeah, and I was like, but they've done this before, and now and, and now with this book now, I'm like, the current Secret Invasion, I'm like, but they've done this twice, three times, like so many times before, like, let's revisit a new idea. <laughs> I love well, I love the execution of it, but just the idea itself revisiting it, I'm like, eh. so that kind of answers my my next question, which was really, does this secret invasion, does this repurposing of that title work for you? Does it live up to the previous story? Is it reappropriating in a good way for the start of some keeping in mind? Of course, a big part of this is the fact that we've got Secret Invasion, uh, the Disney Plus series coming up in a few months. Ooh. Um, I just wish it had been called like a little secret invasion <laughs> or yeah. like, you know, secret invasion in a small town and then they start <laughs> playing like life in a northern town, right? But secret yeah. invasion, it's, it's just, it's tiny. <laughs> Kevo's doing it with me. I'm, I'm living. Scrolls in a northern town. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, it's like Twin Peaks, but with scrolls. Yeah. It's, it, they could just be like, we're being so tiny about it. Isn't it cute? I'd be in. It does feel a little bit like a cash grab. Like, yeah. I remember when Identity Crisis was coming out of DC. Ah, Identity oh, Disc! <laughs> Marvel started publishing that six-issue miniseries Identity Disc. Stupidest thing that they tried to pull out at the last second. It really was like, let's trick moms that are at the comic book store and forgot what their kid wanted. Yes. Nathan, what about you? Oh, God. So I can answer the original question. What was the original question? <laughs> well, yeah, basically, like, do you feel like this secret invasion is living up to the, you know, what we have come to expect from the, in the way that, like, Inferno, you know, we got a new Inferno last year, and one of the big questions was, like, does that live up to the Inferno name? Similarly, like, okay. secret invasion has kind of come to mean something to us, I think. And, like, does this live up to that for you? So far, no. So okay, far, yeah. No. Because yeah. Inferno really did, yeah, there was no demonic possession and we're basically getting inferno now in dark web like old inferno we're getting yeah. in dark web so i'm like okay cool like but inferno was a huge event that really did set things on fire and set a new direction secret invasion did that for a lot of characters i, I can't judge yet because we're only two issues in right but looking at the amount of public press for it and you know that we don't see advertisements all over the place you know it can't be anywhere near as big of an event even even when wolverine died originally the first time like 
it was a big event like you know in scroll marine yeah. like so like uh, electric scroll was huge like i yeah. i don't know if we're going to get any of that here and i don't know if we can expect that but i don't know i don't know what we're going to get and the fact that we're trying to make maria hill a thing that people will want to like again i don't know how that sits with me but i i'm not a maria hill fan so if i may please almost seems like they said we have maria hill and she's played by colby smulders which we everybody has been saying since since day one like where's the colby smulders thing like this is too too much of a name to waste and after all these years that we're finally but go on so we finally (laughs) met our mother and she is maria hill (laughs) oh god now we're like we still have to go brand and now she's stopped exactly exactly now because they are like we have an attractive popular feature in this actress from a recognizable sitcom who we have now built a relationship with we can villainize abigail brand limitlessly and kind of redeem maria hill and i think every hero's had that shitty time that we just pretend didn't happen (laughs) for the professor's sake and that's kind of how i feel about you know because i want to like maria hill it's silly but because i felt like i came into not like i came into loving avengers under new avengers but it was an exciting time it like gave me a reason to believe in a modern idea of the avengers it really was a total shift like you had to reset your love for the avengers and kind of decide again are you going to keep doing it or is did you fall off now yeah and i loved maria hill at that moment and i want to keep loving her so i'm going to keep giving her some chances especially if they can just make me hate abigail brand because i love to hate abigail brand (laughs) of course so that's i agree with you nathan it's it's tricky it's hard to be like yes i'm giving maria hill another shot (sighs) but i think the problem is i also want to be married to taron killam so i this is adversarial for you yeah well no i support colby smulders (sighs) i want to be her sister husband (laughs) so right I really feel like for me, part of the weirdness of this is the, like being sort of told by Marvel, like, downsize your dreams. We are not going to be doing... <laughs> We're not going to be doing the secret invasion that you, nerdy comic book reader, read so long ago. Like, no, we cannot afford to put all these characters on screen together. That's that Kang thing that's going to be coming up in seven years. Secret Wars is now, and we don't have the budget for that. So, let us give you a window into what it could look like. You're on a farm and there's three actors playing scrolls, and Samuel L. Jackson shows up and then you're in a prison cell. Uh, one quick shot of the Avengers and then we're back to the prison cell. And you know, it's not bad storytelling. It just really is like the last time I read this I saw every single character I have known and loved for 20 years scrollified. And now you're just like, here's three people. Enjoy. <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, like- this is a great group. We're on the ride for anything. It's just like we can't help but notice. It's the Game Boy Advance version of the PS1 game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is, it is uh, like the the Mojo games, X-Men game for a Sega, for a Sega uh, handle thing, whatever. The Tiger Electronics yeah. one? Oh my god, yeah, it's that one with like Wolverine or Cyclops and you could jump and kick. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, uh, well. But like, okay, uh, I, I could see it in that way, like from an 
MC unification kind of thing. Yeah. But like, how how do you get people to read the book to make them want to watch the show? Like, oh, or I mean, I know it's I know it's not like you don't have to you don't necessarily care if people. No, I get your question though. I feel like this is being published so that when somebody does see the show exists and they go, what what comic is that? This is the most recent thing they see, so they read that first oh. and don't read the insane thing that will give them expectations that I now have that I'm <laughs> slowly being disabused of that I'm going to see anybody the least bit scrollified and listen this is a business I you know Nico really has helped me to accept that fact in a way that I can love it and not be such a like why aren't they doing the things that I love that would be a complete mistake <laughs> from a financial standpoint um, <laughs> they waste money on my dreams yeah uh, and this is one of those moments where I'm like accept it and appreciate what's there because they're not going to do that and it doesn't make any sense and if you had to pay your bills at the end of the day you would maybe not make those same choices that you make as like a dreamer and a person who wants things so can I pull something out of this yeah I definitely think I can I just do recognize that what I'm pulling out of this is because I like I can't have the expansive picture that I really associate with Secret Invasion but I'm in I'm excited for the show I'm excited to finish this out I don't think it will be any kind of big sea change for anybody but that's okay it'll be interesting to see you know if there's anything to build off of this it's you know it's kind of an open opportunity I don't know but see Doctor Who kind of taught me I can't have everything I want I can't have specials with Catherine Tate and David Tennant so like (laughs) why can't I have a story that'll really up to a decent show (laughs) I should be able to be a secret invasion size queen and I should get as big a secret (laughs) invasion as I want but instead I'm being asked to micromanage my invasions Uh, (laughs) you know realistically speaking I like the idea that this is prepping a new generation of readers for secret invasion because like we were the new generation of secret wars and we one time had to be prepped on what the 1984 secret wars meant because even if we were alive we were children and like we couldn't understand what it meant at two three and four years old there we had to like be indoctrinated into it somehow that hopefully is what this miniseries can do get you used to the idea of you've always got to investigate somebody might be a scroll i'd love that for reefs kids these days have it so easy with their just being able to like have minor scroll invasions and not have to worry about is for scroll has he been a scroll all along is gene gray a scroll did she really come back like is norman osborne gonna end up being president yeah who the fuck is uh fucking jessica jones did tigra have a baby with a scroll or hank prim that's a really good question i would love a green tiger person (laughs) some sort of grinch cat lady well guys we've got more to see on this one i'm excited to see how it plays out with the show in a few months we get another five sunday week in which we can revisit some of these things and see how they went when they all got sewn up in the meantime i'm robin of books that i just want to talk to you about real briefly so i think we're going to go to a commercial and then get back to it I kind of feel like if Tigra and a Skrull did have a child, it would be the Grinch. God damn it. 
too accurate. Now I'm upset. That child would definitely hate Christmas, too. It would. So, guys, as we were putting together the list of books we were going to read for this week, there were so many that couldn't make the cut, almost made the cut. There's so many interesting little minis and one-shots that have just happened, are happening, will be about to happen as we discuss them. And I just kind of wanted to do like a quick round robin and, you know, mention each of these, ask how you're feeling about them, if you've touched them at all, if you plan to, and like maybe if we're going to cover them in the future when we do another one of these. The first title that wrapped up is The Variance, a Jessica Drew-centric story with Jessica art Jones. by Jessica Drones. Gosh, darn it. It's Gail Simone. It's Gail Simone and Phil Nato. Like, oh my God. Like, it's so good. Yeah. Like, so, so, good. so this is one you're reading? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nico, also, how about you? I'm also going to give it a yes. Yeah. Yep. I'm in. The Variance. We're doing it. Next on the list, we got Guinness Vell, written by Peter David with art by Juan and Ramirez. I never know how I feel about Marvel other people stuff. We've moved past the original Captain Marvel. We're now on to our good friend Carol. And I don't know how I feel about Peter David. So for me, I think this one is a no. I've read the first few issues and I know. It was also a skip for me, dog. I am a classic Genis Vell fan, but I just couldn't do this one. Big no for me. Sorry, Guinness. Next on the list, we got Wakanda, an amazing anthology series with some incredible creators. I can't even list them all. The most common name is Evan Narcisse and on authorship and Natasha Bustos as artists. I've really only peaked at this book and already it's just an exciting me, of course, on the heels of the movie. This is such a yes for me. Same, huge yes. I'll give it a shot. I, I The current Black Panther run is not maybe my cup of tea as much, but I'll give it a shot for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's unanimous. Uh, I'm yeah. going to, Kevo, put that in unanimous man i'm feeling like we're gonna we're gonna cover this one yeah this is i think a good one to cover and the next one is uh the 2023 2022 timeless we're doing timeless every year now apparently just until we finally get miracle man maybe this is a no-brainer like we're obviously all reading this because this feels like where we get the state of the universe as a whole but man i really might if it weren't that if i didn't already know that we were going to start to get some hints about what could be coming up this might be a no for me yeah i'm gonna do it because i do one shots because it's it's like a cheap thing you know you buy a one shot get in on it maybe don't this the first one didn't blow my mind in every way i like it. This could be a yes, but it might have been a no. But no matter what, we're definitely going to cover. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know how this is going to be. It was iffy, but it's a King story, so King stories either are amazing or way off base and they suck. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it a chance. Yeah, <laughs> it's all of them. <laughs> yeah, it really is all of them. <laughs> And next we've got uh, kind of a two-parter. We just wrapped up uh, Al Ewing's Ant-Man with art by Tom Riley. And coming off the heels of that will be the new Wasp series, another four issue with Al Ewing writing again and Cassia Naive doing art for it. Ant-Man, I think, is a pretty unanimous yes, right? I mean, this is a Ewing story, so. Yeah, this is definitely unanimous whole team, for sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, if I don't, like, like, my babe will be like something And then, of course, yeah, yeah, of course, if we're going to Ant-Man, there's no way we're not going to Wasp. If I may, this is so so of note that this is the first actual ongoing. It is. Like, it's the first time Wasp is the name on the book. Yeah. And that's hugely important. Al Ewing writing it, also really important, though. Man, would I be happy to see a uh, woman's name attached to the authorship. The artist is a woman, so that's exciting. But I would put out a loud for Al Ewing. Yeah, Yeah, we do love Al. You know it's going to be excellent. Yes. 
definitely, I think, unanimous on both Ant-Man and Wasp. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine not covering every word of both. My yeah, tied I'm favorite excited. non-Ekman character in a Marvel? Yeah, absolutely. Her and Monica, like anything with those in them, yeah. Absolutely unanimous. So next on the list is Silver Surfer Ghostlight. And I feel like I am the sad cosmic simp here. I will definitely be reading this. It looks super cool. And weirdly, for some reason, I feel like somehow this is going to become relevant. Yeah, this is a yes for me. But if you're about to say no, I understand. The cover is beautiful. I'll say yes to the first issue based on the cover. But yeah. I, I'll need some interior that I appreciate. Yeah, this might not be coverage worthy. But it's. Uh, I, I'm, I hope we can all check it out. I'm like neither one. One way or the other on this because yeah. i just got to see what the story is silver surfer stories sometimes are amazing and sometimes they just suck ass <laughs> they're like king stories <laughs> this is unanimous in the other direction it's a no yes unanimously <laughs> this isn't unanimous i find yeah. like no one's really the asshole but <laughs> So next on the list, we got Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones. I'm sorry that I put this on here, but I feel like we kind of have to deal with it. Nico and I have been doing a lot of alternate Spider-People work, a lot of... We're about to do a bunch of Spider-Gwen work. This just feels like something we're going to at least have to look at, and it sort of is against my will because I am sort of really growing tired of Spider-Gwen stuff, unfortunately. Same. No. And like, okay, why is her name Spider-Gwen if Peter Parker went around and his name was Spider Peter. Everybody would know who he was. <laughs> okay. Not only do I love that, um, but the multiverse of Gwen's, like, they actually tried to change her name to Ghost Pepper or whatever. And um, it didn't Oh my god, take. I made the same joke last night. <laughs> yes. Uh, it didn't take. And it's just weird that it's like we already have the Gwen verse of like everybody is a version of Gwen Stacy, but then to be like everybody's a version of Spider Gwen, like it's it, we were already doing this. We didn't need to like limit it to spider, then expand it to spider people limitedly. It's very odd. I'm just saying this is a no, even though Nico and I are going to read it. Uh, this is uh, the existence of this is a no. No, <laughs> to no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Next on the list, we've got I Am Iron Man by two creators that I do not want to disrespect them by mispronouncing their names, but they appear to be two not white American people writing this book and that makes me very excited because Tony Stark the straight white man with all the power I'm interested in seeing other voices write this character. This is a yes for me for opportunity, but I'm so sick of Iron Man. So it's going to be an interesting look. I want to give a quick shout out to the backstage uh, action going on where Steve just pointed out that these are the same crew from Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood uh, on this title. So we Ooh. already have a positive affiliation with this crew. It's actually going to be a yes for me. I don't love Iron Man in canon, but I love... Tony Stark stories. It's like I wouldn't read an ongoing Ebenezer Scrooge comic, but I'll definitely <laughs> always check out a Christmas Carol. So it's like I gotta go. That's a fantastic <laughs> example and so timely. Yeah, I'm willing to give it a shot for the creators because I, I've got to say Kelly Thompson has made Captain Marvel a book I can read. I don't love Carol Danvers, but I do love Kelly Thompson's Captain Marvel book. I yeah, certain people's interpretations can really change a character. 
here. I'm looking for that for Tony. It's time. Yeah, it's a yes. I think we'll look at it. Next, we've got Hallow's Eve coming off the heels of Dark Web. We've been seeing this character slowly be introduced. I don't really get what's going on with her, but this is going to be a mini written by Erica Schultz with art by Michael Dowling. This is like kind of a no for me unless something drastically changes with Dark Web. It's a yes for me because it's Dark Web and I will... I One of the things is making this show means that I am in a little bit more than the average person. I'm going to yeah. read some stuff that I don't care about because it's unfair yeah. to edit things that I don't understand. That's unfair to the, the people I'm editing. So yeah. if this is something that's part of Dark Web, it is something I'm going to give my respect. But it's, you know, one of those things where would I read this? I don't know that I can make that decision because I'm just kind of told I'm going to read it. So yeah. I'm going to read it and I'm cool yeah. with that. It's, it's a yes from me just because there is no real reason not to. I gotta say, yes, absolutely. I've loved, I've loved the Spider-Man run. I've loved stuff that's spinning out of it. So I want to see, I want to see where this goes. Like, I love a, like a scary themed villain book. So yeah, you had me on the name alone, but just like knowing the character a little bit more. Absolutely. You're going to Vegas. Whatever that was. (laughs) So I think I've been outvoted and this is a yes, which I totally appreciate. I'm really interested to see what happens with this character. I'm not excited about the character yet, but who knows? Dark Web just started. And last up, coming up, we've got another Cosmic Ghost Rider series. This one, a mini, not written by Donny Cates this time, this time written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Juan Cabal. How exciting to see a woman's name attached to insane Frank Castle of the future with, you know, the power cosmic. Gimme. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I got a little secret. Like, I actually have the Cosmic Ghost Rider omnibus because I love <laughs> them so much. I love to hear like, that. Like, Cosmic Ghost Rider is, is stupid, but hilarious at the same time. So, so stupid and hilarious. So dumb. I love I oh. love how stupid it is. It's it's Punisher is a, is a fucking Harold of Thanos? And the Ghost Rider at the same time? Yeah. And, you know, we've been, like, really, I think, all kind of onboarding with the Rider universe. The various Riders that exist. I'm so excited X-Fans that have a Rider among the mutants in the form of the Spirit of Variance. I really feel like now is the time for Flaming Skull people. And as such, I'm excited to go back to this character, who, yeah, really silly, really cool. But how exciting to get another voice, a different voice this time around, because that's when we really get to see different kind of expanded ideas about a character and i love that i mean yes all around unanimous yep well guys it looks like we are going to have a big slate of really fascinating books coming up i'm super excited about that you know i know there's other ones that are sort of givens for us scarlet witch is coming out really soon you know the whole x line is about to change if it's mutant associated we are pretty much definitely going to do it but you know marvel is always putting out new stuff we're always kind of revisiting and trying to decide what we love what we want to cover and how we can bring everybody that watches and reads the best version of the marvel universe that we can present and i'm super excited for what we've got coming up i'm i'm so excited and we have a couple of really cool surprises coming your guys way i'm really excited we have avengers slang sign where we're gonna (laughs) close out all of our avengers coverage from jason aaron's run and say goodbye to it it's gonna be a lot of fun we have a very acquaintance be forgot (laughs) oh acquaintance be forgotten if you've ever thought to yourself what happens when a couple of fans get together and kind of plot a course for a major X event, what 
does that look like? I can't wait to see where this is going to go. <laughs> We're going to deliver that to you guys in an unforgettable way. And I'm so excited to bring you that. And when the new year kicks back off, we're going to keep doing this live show. It's been going so well. We love doing it. The contributors have all been bringing such phenomenal perspective. It's so exciting to get to be part of this with everybody. I can't wait. It has been a really cool month of trying this thing out. And uh, I, I'm just thrilled, man. The show looks good. Everybody's doing a killer job. And I just want to thank you all for spending this time with us. This is a, a lot of your fucking time. So uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Can I get a, a roll call and a kind of like a, a, a live good year sign off? Because like, you know, we have some more stuff coming this year, but like it's not live stream. So oh no, it's all going to be delayed release. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> We're going yeah. back to the old format. No. <laughs> so quickly too. <laughs> oh, what, what is this? This has been so much fun. You know, what a great first month of doing this. What a great roll through all these amazing titles. I'm so so excited for the year that is to come with all of this. I am also TK, and you can find me all over socials at xnatexgrayx. What a blast. We've got really cool stuff coming, and just thank everybody for, thank you everybody for watching, for participating, for reading. We're just having the best time. I, I gotta say, like, this has been a cool, really cool change. It is not only great to see the con contributors when we're talking, like, it's so great to see your guys' reactions. It's I'm glad you guys get to see us. It's been a blast. It has been so much fun it's really just cool and it's really cool to see the evolution of the show and what it is and i can't wait to see how further we fine-tune it and bring you even better things in the truly this is you know it started as something so silly between me and jonah just wanting to talk about some classic x-men stories and now it's this thing and i couldn't love it more and i couldn't be prouder and i love everybody who is a part of this show who give their time so graciously all year round and we've got like i said some amazing surprises coming your way uh, on a personal note i would like to thank so many end of year lists for putting young men in love uh, on that list and the nominations rolling in. It's kind of crazy. Uh, really grateful. Everybody's so kind. Thank you so much. And you can check me, Nico, out at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And you can check the show out at accessforpodcast.com and accessforpodcast on your socials. And until next time, I almost said keep it loose and slam heat. Um, <laughs> keep can you theme it holiday. <laughs> um, okay. Keep those menorah oh. lights lit. Oh. Ooh. Keep the Christmas in your gateway open. Your Christmas um, gateway. Wow. Yeah, your Christmas gateway. Um, <laughs> treat Kwanzaa with respect and stop leaving it off of lists like you've never met anybody who celebrates a non-Big Two holiday, right? And uh, no matter what you celebrate, no matter where you're from, no matter what you love, you're part of the family if, you know, you want to be. And we love you. We can't wait to be back next year. And uh, from everybody at Excess for Podcast, happy holidays, happy new year, and uh, keep reading comics. Happy New Year. Happy, happy New Year.